This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Monday, October 31st, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. When you look at polling data for traditional Democratic constituencies and those groups' support for school choice, it's at least a little puzzling that Democrats as political entities have not jumped on the school choice bandwagon. Rebecca Bidlack of the American Federation for Children says perhaps that's changing. We spoke last month. For a long time, uh, school choice, educational freedom has been an issue that has been owned by Republicans as, as a partisan matter. Uh, and it's weird because, and I've never really understood exactly why that is, because traditional constituencies of Democrats, particularly minorities, are more supportive of school choice than white, white people. And, yeah. th- and those are traditional Democratic constituencies. And I just have never understood why that has been the case. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you look at the last polling released earlier this year, almost 70 percent of Democrats indicated that they support school choice. Obviously, a great number of Republican voters do as well. I think it's 75 plus. Um, But we have the Democratic Party sticking stronger with the unions than with their own constituencies. And that's become more and more untenable over the last couple of years. So what have been the challenges to that? Because I know there are like some prominent voices uh, who are minorities who are Democrats and are actively engaged on trying to get this idea moved forward. Absolutely. And throughout the years, there's been bipartisan support from, you know, the advocacy community. And I think especially in the last, let's say, Obama administration era, there was broader and growing bipartisan support. And then the Democrats kind of seemed to go in the other direction. Um, You know, some of the people, even like Senator Lieberman, left the Democratic Party. Some of the Democratic champions left their spots in the legislature. And so we still have champions, but um, it has become something that your average establishment Democrat, if you were to ask them, um, they probably would just knee-jerk oppose it. Do you have any explanation for why that was why there was more bipartisan support and now there is seems to be less? You know, I wish I could say because it's not like the polling has changed dramatically except to increase support for school choice. Um, I think it's been a great acceleration since 2020, where what we saw, you know, ironically in, in majority minority Democratic areas became the case across the country overnight, which is the schools weren't working. And so in a way, it expanded to communities that may not have been traditionally Democratic voters. And the GOP began even more aggressively pursuing the mantle of the parents' party. A lot of Republican primary victories happened because of school choice, like in Iowa is a great example where um, Republican voters kicked out Republican incumbents who didn't support school choice. But at the same time, in a lot of cases over the last, you know, let's say couple of election cycles the the democratic party sticks with sticks with the unions i think i wish i had a better answer to that but i i really think the unions have a have a stranglehold over a lot of establishment democrats so 2021 the year of school choice the year of educational freedom uh we saw states like west virginia like my home state of kentucky advance a uh, pretty robust substantial uh what i would consider to be gold standard Uh, reforms, policy reforms, uh, led by Republicans. Uh, And yet we, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned that it's possible that the tide is about to turn, at least as a political matter, when it comes to educational freedom. 
I think so. I think it's political malpractice at this point to oppose parents' choice in education, given what we've seen over the last couple of, uh, you know, prominent primaries where a bunch of opponents, like in your home state of Kentucky, opponents of school choice ended up losing big time. Um, and that's in both parties. Republicans, Absolutely. by the way. Absolutely. And, you know, my organization, American Federation for Children, had supported Republicans and Democratic champions in primaries and broadly successful on the issue of school choice. It's becoming a litmus test for parents, and it's not hard to see why. Yeah, and it's not a it's a, it's kind of a slam dunk. You know, when you look at the the popularity of educational freedom uh, programs or choice, uh, parents are overwhelmingly for it. Parents are much more likely to vote. Absolutely. Uh, and it is strange that we haven't seen uh, this shift until the pandemic. What are you what what what's the case in Pennsylvania, which is a state that has steadily expanded its school choice options in recent years with a Democratic governor? It's Pennsylvania is such an interesting case. And this week it got a lot more interesting. So Pennsylvania has this really robust tax credit scholarship program. I believe it was something like 60,000 scholarships were awarded in the last school year. And to add a little bit of color to this discussion, this is under a Democratic governor, Wolf, who is openly opposed to school choice, um, would typically oppose it. But the legislature led by Republicans would do a really effective job of negotiating on expanding the scholarship program. And they kept succeeding in really big ways. And so this story was kind of going under the radar, I think, uh, you know, among a lot of people across the country. But I think it's going to come to a lot more people's attention with what just happened with Attorney General Shapiro, who is the Democratic nominee for governor. So tell me about him. So he has historically not been in favor of school choice. In fact, recently, uh, you know, as recently as I think a, a week ago, his his education plan was what you might typically see from someone who supports the the status quo, you know, more funding for traditional public schools and so on. Um, but this week, if you were watching closely, there was an important change. He put a note on his website that said he supported lifeline scholarships uh, like what were passed in in other states and recently in the legislature in Pennsylvania in the last session. And he was asked about it at, at follow-up events and confirmed, you know, he said he had some questions about the version that was passed, but that he's in favor of the concept. I cannot emphasize enough how huge this is. This is not only, a, you know, a Democratic nominee for a statewide office. It's in a major state, um, at least according to the last polling that I saw, he's favored to win the general election. Um Coming out in support of school choice. This is a really bold stance. And in a state that has a traditionally very strong union identity. It does. And I think that what this shows is if you are a union supporter, if you are more on the left and, uh, you know, a, a union Democrat, that you, that does not have to extend to the unions that have failed your children. You can still support, uh, you know, firefighters and police, but not necessarily go on board with what people have seen since at least the last couple of years, and in all reality, the last couple of decades or more, um, you know, in underserved communities. And I think people are realizing that. And Shapiro is seeing the same holes that we are. Um, he's in a, a relatively close race. He needs to appeal to to independent voters. And the polls show that school choice and parental freedom can and does drive independent voters. So going forward, I guess, what does that look like? Because I, I'm imagining, well, what what is the strategic decision of politicians that are trying to, uh, you know, advance their uh, electoral prospects? And as far as I can tell, to the extent that 
it's an article of faith among Republicans, or probably it ought it to should ought, be. It ought, <laughs> ought to be uh, that uh, you are broadly supportive of educational freedom and giving parents the most robust forms of uh, choice that you can. That if if I'm a, a Democrat and looking at polling data on support for educational freedom, I think I just want to take that issue off the table. You would think so, although I've been surprised at some of the poor decisions made by Democratic nominees elsewhere. I mean, my home state of Florida, the Democratic nominee Charlie Crist, who previously supported and signed into law school choice expansions, has picked as his running mate an officer in a South Florida teachers union um, that actually was part of suing to stop the school choice program in Florida. It's just a huge slap in the face. Um, and parents are paying attention to things like that. We saw that uh, in the in the Gillum DeSantis race. Um, and yet, a lot of people, you know, a lot of a lot of Democratic nominees especially seem determined to tear it out to the better end. So I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, Shapiro's decision will end up being, um, you know, the the start of going the other direction, actually doing what is in their own self-interest. I don't know if he had a genuine come to Jesus, uh, you know, change of heart moment. I frankly don't care. And I don't think parents do either. Parents, like the Milton Friedman quote, want Uh, the wrong people to do the right things and the right people to do the right things. And what we're going to see more and more if people do listen to the polls is that that means supporting school choice. I cannot let the opportunity pass in a lot of red states where Republicans dominate, where they have super majorities in their legislatures. It is still really hard to get school choice done. Absolutely. I mean, Arguably, in some supermajority states, it can be more difficult because uh, people think of it as not my problem and not something that I need to listen to, you know, to the voters on. I mean, we saw this play out in Kentucky not too many years ago where um, a lot of Republicans would insist that school choice is fine in concept, but we don't need it. And that is just absolutely not the case. Any parent could tell you that. And you made made note of Kentucky uh, because I live there. I can tell you with authority that the only reason that the of an extremely robust uh, form of school choice was passed into law was because of a Democratic vote. Super, super majority Republican could not get majority Republican support. Absolutely. And I am glad you reminded me. I was going to bring that up. Uh, Rep. Gentry, that was one of the most exciting moments I've seen on any House floor ever uh, because he directly said, look, I don't agree with this, but a lot of my constituents called and asked me to do this, and I can't ignore my constituents. And so maybe not every person who comes around on school choice is going to be that direct, but I think that's going to be the the calculus that a lot of them start making. Arizona uh, recently dethroned as the leading uh, educational freedom state claims to have regained that mantle, much to uh, the happiness of my friend Jason Bedrick, who <laughs> uh, both is a leading school choice proponent and uh, also lives in Arizona. <laughs> yes, um, Arizona recently took the crown from Florida, which as a hometown Floridian, I'm actually happy to see friendly competition because I think Florida is going to try to catch up. So Arizona passed an expansion to their education savings account to allow every single family to qualify. So this is just I can't emphasize enough how enormous this is. I was actually talking to an Arizona parent yesterday who does not qualify for the ESA as is. And as a result, uh, you know, his children are 
enrolled in another public school, which is a form of school choice. It has been life-saving for his family, but it also comes with huge burdens, whether that's transportation or staying on top of making sure that as as his children progress, that the, the curriculum stays robust and they keep learning. Um, with the expansion, parents like him who are making huge sacrifices, you know, working 15-hour days to try to pull everything together are going to have a little bit of breathing room uh, as long as the unions don't succeed in enrolling it back. Rebecca Bidlack is with the American Federation for Children. We spoke last month. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.